Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice, these are of one mind, these ten kings, and they will give their power and authority to the beast, to the Antichrist, to this man of perdition. And these will make war with the Lamb. And you'll see that when we get to Revelation 19. I am lesson today speaks of the Antichrist and the ten nations who are beneath him, which he reduces to seven. This probably alludes to the ten-nation confederation, as in the image written in the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Many see the European Union as a potential fulfillment of this. Our scripture today goes on to say, And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. He is of the seven, in the sense that he shares characteristics with all previous world empires, but his fate is clear. Perdition means destruction, and the beast will be destroyed. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 17. Guess what? Because God wins, we win. Because we are in the beloved. Aren't you glad that you're on the winning side? No matter what. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed or have a problem with that. I'll boast about that all day long because is it because of anything that I did? No. And that's why I can boast. If I boast of my own goodness, my own righteousness, I'm in a, I got, I'm in a serious trouble. I'm in serious trouble. But when I boast about him, oh, it's wonderful to boast about God. And boy, the devil hates it when you boast about God. And so be it. Amen? Amen. So, Notice in verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as of yet, but they resist, or they receive authority, excuse me, for one hour. This could literally be one hour, but more than likely one hour, most of the time in the Bible, speaks of a period of time. Remember, Jesus said, my hour had not yet come. But finally, it says in the upper room, remember, his hour had come. And how long did that hour last? Several hours. Because it would be several hours before he'd be taken to the cross. But that whole span of time, probably 10, 15 hours, something like that, whatever that, a number of hours, that was his hour. That was his time. Up until that point, he said, my time has not yet come. But it says there in what John chapter 13, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. And I believe that this is a period of time, a very short period of time. It could be three and a half years. When the Antichrist makes that peace treaty with Israel, he's going to these ten these ten kings from the revived Roman Empire are all going to be in cahoots with him. And there's more to that, by the way. But these ten horns are ten kings at the time 
And they receive power for an hour, and they yield ultimately that power to the Antichrist. These ten kings are not to be confused, again, with the seven heads or the seven world empires that we just looked at. Two different things. In Daniel chapter 7, let me read to you something, just the first six verses, first eight verses, because this goes along with these, these ten horns. And this is important because Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 2, Daniel's interpreting for the king Nebuchadnezzar these visions of world kingdoms that are coming. And God gives to Daniel that information. And in Daniel chapter 7, this corroborates what we're reading here about the seven heads and the ten horns. Notice, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while he was on his bed. And then he wrote down the dream. Telling the main facts, Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, which is the Mediterranean, and the four great beasts came up out of the sea, these world empires. And the first one was like a lion, and we know that that, and it had eagle's wings. That's speaking of Babylon. I watched till its wings were plucked up, and it was lifted from the earth and made to stand on its two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, who we know as the, the, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth, speaking probably of the nations like Egypt and Assyria, and I think another one that they had uh, conquered. Um, And it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said to it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, who we know is the kingdom of Greece, under Alexander the Great, which had on its back four wings of a bird. Four wings were the four generals after... um, uh, Alexander died, his four generals divided up the kingdom, and it became a lesser kingdom than what it was. But the beast also had four heads. Oh, I'm sorry, in verse 6. After this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, and had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. But notice in verse 7, it says this, And after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. Rome is often called the, the, the iron furnace, or you know, the, the iron um, prison, or whatever you want to call it. It's often called that. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts which were before it. And notice it had ten horns. Ten horns. And as I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. And so we believe based on this, uh, because he, he doesn't give us the other, you know, he, he says Rome here, that the fourth beast is Rome, right? We know that that was uh, the Rome that John was uh, alive during. But we also know that the second part of that is the revived Roman Empire yet coming. And we also know that there's going to be ten horns or ten kings that are going to rise up with this Antichrist. And it gives us a little information here about what we believe is going to be happening with those ten kings who are going to take up their power with the, with the Antichrist for a season. Notice that there were, I was considering the ten horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them. Think of ten horns, one coming up plucking out three by its roots, and in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man and speaking pompous words. Of course, this is speaking of the Antichrist, who is going to, there's probably going to be some scuttle, probably, within those ten kings, but he's going to remove those three kings, and ultimately, at the end of the day, those kings are going to give all their authority to him, and he's going to rule in that eighth kingdom, 
which is really just the revived Roman Empire, but now he alone, he alone is sitting on the throne. Does that make sense? You can also look in Daniel chapter 2. We don't have really time to go there. But in Daniel chapter 2, it, it speaks of uh, these same things, the, the ten toes of that vision of that statue that Nebuchadnezzar had the dream of. Those ten toes in that vision speak of these ten same horns, these ten kings that are going to take their authority with the Antichrist in the last days before he sets himself up in the temple in Jerusalem. So let's go on to verse 13. We're getting close to the end here. Notice, these are of one mind, these ten kings, and they will give their power and authority to the beast, to the Antichrist, to this man of perdition. And these will make war with the Lamb. And you'll see that when we get to Revelation 19, the latter part of chapter 19, Jesus, when he returns in his glory and we are coming behind him, it says that he is going to consume them with the sword of his mouth. He could literally open his mouth and say a word, and believe me, they are all going to be destroyed. We won't even need to get blood on our, our fine linens, you know, uh, things that we're wearing. He's going to do it, but we're going to show up and probably try to take credit for it. <laughs> But he's coming back. Now that doesn't bless God. Do you think he he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked? Does he? But as much as God's love is, so great is his wrath also. That's the other side of the coin of great love is great wrath. Because great love has to judge. We don't like that part of it. I know my mother loved me because when I did bad things, she got the belt out after me. And I learned obedience through suffering. <laughs> Isn't that what it says about Jesus too? That through, through suffering he learned obedience. That's what it says. So is it a good thing to, um, to discipline your children? Oh, not now, no. You can't, even, you can't even spank your child without somebody calling child protective services against you. And then the child gets wind of this and like, hey, I like this. What's that 800 number? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm off on a tangent. I know that. But um, our society is nuts. I was disciplined as a child, and I was the better for it. I'm the better for it today because my mother did do that. Beware of anything that says, oh, you shouldn't do any of that stuff. Now, there's a difference between abuse and regular punishment. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. And that's not what I'm talking about. But you should be able to do that. It's our mandate as a, as a parent to discipline our kids, and sometimes with the belt. It's not going to fly in today's society. But let me suggest to you, today's society is broken. Today's society is insanity. Today's society doesn't know anything. They claim to have all the knowledge. They know nothing. I'll believe the word of God. Thank you very much. Amen? But notice, these... These ten, with the Antichrist, they're going to make war with the Lamb. They're going to see him coming. and Think of the insanity of this. You see Jesus coming in the clouds. He comes to the earth, and you still want to go fight him. Do you really think you have a chance? That's the insanity of sin and rebellion. You think you've got a chance. And maybe the Antichrist has got you so deceived in thinking you have a chance. There's no chance. It's a fool's errand. A fool's errand. Notice... And the Lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen, 
and faithful. Don't you love that? I love what it says in Revelation 19. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) And then armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Folks, that's you and me. That's you and I coming back with Jesus. I hope my horse name is Trigger. And I want to have those, those little holsters. Even though I won't need them, I just think it would look cool. You've heard me ramble on about this before, but I'm going to do it again. So you know, I want my rifles to be on each side, and you can pull them out. And just With one hand, you can pull them out and, you know, like the guy they do in the Westerns. And then you have your six shooters on each side too, you know, just for fun. You know, let the, the Lord will do all the work. We'll just be the smoke and mirrors. No, but... We're going to follow him on white horses, and now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, and here it is, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. (laughs) Yeah, amen. King of kings. Isn't that what it says here in, in, in verse 14? And the Lamb will overcome them. He is the Lord of lords, uppercase L, Lord of lowercase L. He is the king, uppercase key, uppercase key, K, of lowercase kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. Oh, I love that. I can't wait for that day. Not because people are going to die. I don't look forward to that. I'm looking for the summation do you feel like your life is sometimes, it's like, it's like, especially this election is a good example. I just feel like if you're a musician, you understand what I'm saying. It's like you're, you're on this chord that needs to be resolved. The chord is very, there's a lot of uh, leading tones and there's a lot of, you know, uh, and, and you're just like, you hear the chord and you're like, okay, resolve it, please. Resolve that chord. It's like when somebody ends on a five chord, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I mean. And then it just hangs out there and you're like, okay, end. And it never does. We're going to hear the final chord there, and it's going to resolve. And we're all going to take a deep breath. What does it say in Jude chapter 1, verse 14? It says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, he prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Enoch, the seventh before Adam, before the flood, prophesied of Jesus coming to the earth with ten thousands of his saints, prophesying before the flood of the very end. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? Isn't Jesus amazing? He tells you the end from the beginning. Is he not the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending? He's the A to the Z. He's everything in between. He's got it covered. He's got everything covered right now. Saying, are you losing sleep over it? I know I have. What's going on right now has struck me right to the core, but I know that God is in control. I just, I'm looking forward to the resolution. I want the resolution. This nation has suffered with this stupid pandemic. 99 point something, you know, survival rate, and yet we shut down everything? Are you crazy? What's the matter with these people? We should take care of the elderly, yes, but the rest of us are going to be just fine, thank you. I know people in this fellowship who've had COVID, and they're just fine. I've known people who had COVID, didn't even know they had COVID. I think I had COVID, and I don't have it anymore. But yet, I mean, granted, 
Let's do the nice thing, the mass, the, you know, but don't keep it, don't let it keep you from coming to church. We space out, we fumigate, we do all that stuff. You've heard me ramble about that, but, you know, I'm just, the resolution is coming. The resolution is coming. How I long for that. Notice, it says at the end of verse 14 there that those who are with him are called. Notice, they're chosen and they're faithful. What, is, what does it tell us in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9? What does Peter tell the church? He says, but you are a chosen generation. I think that sounds like us. Sound like us? Who come back with them? We're chosen. We have been chosen. We've been picked. Aren't you glad you've been picked? Oh, pick me, pick me. Remember Arnold Horshack and uh, Welcome Back, Carter? Oh, 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 Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Remember that? Pick me, pick me. Now it's coming, right? Now, you're, oh, What is he talking? Okay, now you got it. He picked you. And you know what? He would pick you again. Knowing all that he knows about you, he would say, I want you, and I want you, and I want you. And you know what? He wants to do that with every single human being, but he won't violate that human being's right to say no. It's insanity to me how somebody could go through all this and see him coming and say, I don't think so. Would to God that the world would abandon all and get on their faces. In the United States, why don't we do that? Right now in this darkest part of our, one of the darkest moments of our history is happening right now. Are you praying? In anticipation of the things that are starting to roll out that we're reading about. We're coming to the end of these things. We're, we're, we're seeing these things in, in advance. And can you see the things start to happen? Yeah. Oh, it's happening. It's just a question of when. Now, I'm all for the Lord coming and everything like that, but I'm also thinking about my kids, and I'm thinking about, you know, some of you are thinking about your grandkids. Does that mean we just lay down and die? Does that mean we just roll over and quit? God's will will be done, but that doesn't mean that his people should lay down and just quit and say, well, it's going to happen anyway. I might as well just roll over. No, you better fight. You better get on your knees, and you better pray. If we're not praying, we're in sin right now. Please pray and come out Tuesday night and pray with us. We need to be praying. This is critical. I'm not even so much concerned about the election itself, although I am. You know what concerns me more? And forgive me for my rant, but I got to get this off my chest. And I think you would agree with me, hopefully. This is more than just an election. After all that's happened, are we going to let our Constitution just be crumpled up and thrown in a corner? That's exactly what the powers that be want it to be. In order to get on with this program that we read about, that has to happen. So should we just go, well, it's written in the Bible, so therefore I just cave into it? No. We are to fight for righteousness. Now, do I mean fight physically and pull out guns? No, I'm not talking about that. But we should fight on our knees. We should fight with our voices. We should stand up and no longer be the silent majority any longer. Stand up, people. We need to stand up. Because we're going to wake up one day, if we don't, and our country is going to be something completely different. So, verse 15. 
Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. We know that that's true. And this is symbolic here. It's obviously not speaking of the harlot sitting on many waters. How can that really be? We know who the harlot is. She sits on multitudes. And what is that false religious system? It has command and control over the multitudes upon the earth. It's happening right now, and it will be even more pronounced then. And again... This harlot church is worldwide and it will be in every country, in every language. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate, naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. These are these ten uh, kingdoms that are going to reign with the Antichrist and that revived Roman Empire. They are going to destroy her. Notice verse 17. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Notice that the woman is synonymous with the city, just like the beast is to his final world government. And again, I believe this is speaking of the apostate church, and very likely, very possibly, Rome. And maybe Babylon, but I really believe it's going to be Rome. We're going to look at Babylon as a city that really has never been destroyed. We're going to look at that next week because that's the economic and political end, the, 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 the other side of the coin of this thing. We're going to look at that next week. So interesting times. Interesting times we live in. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we certainly live in times that are very interesting. Father, we live in times that your word has spoken to us for hundreds of years, even a few thousand years. And Lord, you've spoken of the time that we are coming into right now. Father, I pray that, Lord, in spite of those things, and who knows how long it'll be before those things really kick in. We know they're in preparation right now, and they're very close to being, to come into fruition. But, Lord, help us to always, Lord, you you would have us to, to always promote righteousness, to promote the truth over lies. The truth over deception, you would always have us to do that, regardless. But we also recognize, Lord, that this is so much bigger than any of us. And so, Lord, we trust in you. We don't trust in necessarily any government. We trust in you alone. And so, Father, would you bring this to fruition, however you see fit, Lord, and help us just to understand that These are the things that are happening. And Lord, we just pray for mercy on this country that you have established so long ago. Lord, would you have mercy on us again? And would you pour out your spirit upon the church, upon all of us, Lord? Help us to be people of prayer. Help us to be examining our own lives. Help us to be reaching out to those around us who need to know the truth. Help us to love the lost Help us to seek that which is lost. And Lord, fill us with your spirit. And thank you so much, Lord, for your love for us. You've been so good. You've been so gracious. You've been so compassionate. Lord, we exalt your name. You are the great King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no one like you. There neither could ever be anyone like you. You alone, Lord, are God, omnipotent, 
You alone are omniscient. You are omnipresent. You are the only one who is all three of those things and so much more in all perfection, in love and compassion and grace and mercy. Lord, you are it all. And so we give you thanks this morning and we exalt your holy, precious name. And it's in your Jesus name, your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Such a privilege to share with you this morning. Thank you for your... I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.